What's good, everybody? It's 808s and Ankle Breaks, episode 53. It's the hip-hop and basketball-based podcast. I'm one of your hosts, the editor-in-chief of the Amherst Wire, Jonathan Karma. With me is my co-host, Trevor Wilson, managing editor for the Amherst Wire. And we're back. We're back. Second episode of the final semester, episode 53. Yeah. Let's keep it a buck with him, Trev. You yeah. know, we, we tried this week. We were supposed to have a guest on... Time didn't have, work. Yeah, we went for a second guest. Time didn't work, so you got our beautiful voices with Yet no guests again. Yet again, um, this is gonna be a slightly mailed in episode, but we're coming back with that heat next time. So like, come, nah, come no, no, no. The, but we got that heat today. Like, we yes, got that heat today. Yes. But it's, we'll see how it goes. It's like, it's like the mild salsa. Yeah, we got. We, usually we got good. like the medium and the hot. Like it's, the mild is good. good. You're getting your tomatoes. You're getting your veggies. But it's just not spicy. It's just not as spicy as you want it. But you know. <laughs> but you know what? Next week, next uh, couple weeks, we're coming back with that tomatillo. Wow. That's spicy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we're gonna hit you with the slapper skip, where we look at some of you know the latest singles that we found, and then following that, we're gonna talk about our picks of the week. You know, songs that we like. Um, but slapper skip, we'll start with that. If we like it, it's a slap. If we don't, it's a skip. First track, Desires, Drake and Future. Mm. Slap or skip, Trev? What are you thinking? Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give this one a meh. Um, I think it's all right. The beat, like, in terms of the instrumental, it's nothing crazy. It kind of sounds a little bit something like Playboy Cardi would hop on. Um, Future doesn't really pop up for a whole lot in here. He's kind of just, like, in here to t- say his two cents, mm-hmm. um, you know, to be a great male figure uh, in this song. Mm. Um, and then Drake... Drake pretty much carries the whole track with his usual complaining about why women can't just be his all the time. Yeah. All the time. This is this is definitely some some A1 misogyny. Um I that's how I'm gonna start with that. I mean the first the first if Drake wants to start the song with I should have put you somewhere where no one can find you, I think I'm just gonna start by labeling this song what it is. It is yeah. just misogyny yeah. at its finest, I guess, at its worst. Um it's not really, it's not really a, a, a comfortable song if you really start to, to break down the lyrics, because um, you got desires. Um, Self control has never been a thing uh, for you. Like the, I, it's just the way Drake is kind of framing it. It's almost like he's he's trying to to mold his woman that is just like trained to do whatever he wants. And I personally Ugh. just didn't feel too comfortable with it. Um, it's tough because I love the beat. It's got this. I don't know if this makes sense, but almost like a stale arpeggiator in mm. terms of like it's got this like um, robotic feel to it that I, I really enjoyed the the repetitive the repetitive um, melody that they have going on and uh, the drums are solid, but yeah, it's just really tough to listen to when you start you know looking at the lyrics. So for me, I'm yeah. gonna have to give it a skip. Um, but yeah, next track we got a boogie with the hoodie, king of my city. What did you think of this one, Trevor? Uh. Usually I'm, you know what? I I'll give this one a slap. I was gonna say usually I'm not like a big a boogie fan, but I like this song. Um, it was short, it was sweet, it was to the point. Um, you know he's talking about nothing really new. I mean he's going he's going off about his city high bridge, of course. Um, but I think he does a lot of interesting things with his vocals here that he doesn't normally do. Not necessarily like his singing or his rapping, but like vocal effects. I really like how he uses these background vocals, which are his own vocals but mm-hmm. i think it adds to the ambience of the track overall but 
Yeah, it's a tight 230, but it's a good song. Uh, I'm going to keep coming back to this. So yeah. it's a slap. I'm going to give it a meh. <clears throat> Not because I didn't like the track. I also think I need to give it some more listens. Um, I just didn't feel like it really, you know... Struck me too much in terms of like like the instrumental is not necessarily a bad choice. I just don't know if it complemented a boogie. I just don't think he's at his best on this track mm. in terms of his his styles. I think most of the a boogie tracks I enjoy are more of like the romantic type vibes that where he gets in his R and B bag. And I feel like this one wasn't really going for that, which isn't a bad thing. Right. Um, I just don't think he was necessarily at his best position in this one. But I also, as I said, I'll be honest, I need to give it some more listens to really get more familiar with it to to give a final decision on it. So listen for yourself. <laughs> don't go by our decisions every time. Don't be sheep. Um but overall I'm gonna give it a meh. Yeah. Lastly we got Code of the Friend with a track Volvo. What'd you think of this one, Trev? Um so I usually l really like Code of the Friend. I'm going to give this track a skip. Um, but sometimes he sounds like he just went on YouTube and like went on one of those like 24-7 lo-fi hip-hop beats <laughs> to study and relax to. And he's just like freestyling over him, which is fine. But I think his, I think his flow gets a little plain, a little boring in this one. Um, and, you know, he's... Usually in his other music, he's not really the one to switch up his flows a whole lot. Um, he's usually got some pretty uplifting... Uh, lyrics to it too but I don't know this one this one I just couldn't really keep interested listening to okay. it so I'm gonna skip it I'm gonna give this one a meh I know I'm riding the meh wave today, but <laughs> this track uh, I'm, I'm gonna be honest I'm not too familiar with Code of the Friend it hasn't been an artist that I've really gotten into I know of the name but haven't you know haven't delved into the, into the discography um, and from this track, I can get the, the vibe of being the ultimate underdog in terms of lines like um Thank God for the chip on my shoulder, um, and and different lines like that, that that really you know propose like who he, who his audience is, and I, I appreciate that he's you know rapping as the underdog, but I agree. I think the beat selection feels like a YouTube type beat that doesn't really <laughs> inspire a listen, if that right. makes sense. So I'm gonna give it a meh, but I do like the the position at which he's coming from. Right. Uh, so we're gonna move on to our picks of the week, where you know we pick an album and a song that what new or old that we've just been vibe into this week and just kind of talk about it briefly and then we'll move on to our uh, main discussions for the week um so trevor you kick things off with your album pick yeah so uh my album pick is going to be a brand new album actually and it's gonna be this denzel curry and kenny beats tape unlocked Good pick. great pick Whew. great pick oh my god pick. yeah <laughs> i don't know what it is because every time kenny beats comes out with a project or like a new song he always surprises me like with he's just so versatile with mm -hmm. his styles and like I feel like we should have known that especially since I'm an avid viewer of the cave like I mean he's had everybody from JPEG Mafia on there to Denzel Curry to Zach Fox yeah just had Thundercat on there and that episode was actually a oh, show I've not um, seen it yet, bro it's it's funny but it's a mess it's okay. it's such a disaster um but yeah, Kenny Beast just comes through. I love the samples on this thing, um, just through and through. And Denzel Curry, I feel like this is one of his, like, technically strongest 
uh, performances yeah. on an album. I I definitely love the relationship between the producer and artist on this yeah. one. I think they were both. They I think they got together and were like, let's try and make the most like MF Doom type. Right. Album ever yeah. In terms of we got these like comic book type samples. We're messing with our our, our voices similar to a um, similar to a uh, Quasimodo, one of yeah. uh, someone who's worked with MF Doom, and I I just love the whole vibes to it and the fact that Denzel Curry's rapping, rapping on this. Yes. Rapping, rapping For like real. it's not. I think Denzel Curry has always been versatile, but I think this really shows it more than ever. You know, because I, I, I remember when I first listened to Denzel Curry, my first impressions coming from the XXL uh, freshman cipher yeah. around that time, I, I wanted to you know lump him in with you know a group the the I guess the, that new wave at the at the time in terms of you know more of trying to minimalize his sound. Right, he's he's got bars in yes. there. He's coming with like real <laughs> yes. bars um, over some like. Not even like boom bap beats, but like boom bap adjacent. It's like almost like it, it mixes boom bap with some 808s at certain points. It's just crazy beats on that. Yeah, so. it's like it's like almost like a modern upgrade of yeah. like Mad Villainy, something like that. Not even Mad Villainy, but just like any MF Doom track with those samples and with the drums that Kenny Beats uses. It just feels a lot more new school. But I mean, I agree with you with Denzel Curry. Like, I'm gonna be honest, like at first, I thought he was just you know another one of these like. Florida rappers and I kind of just lumped him in with that group but as time went on he has just really proven to me that he is not like that at all he is not just like a stereotypical Florida rapper and he's really come out and proven himself to be like one of the best lyricists of this new school um yeah. and I'm I've been I'm a huge fan of his now uh, I didn't I didn't even know this was supposed to drop totally caught me by surprise but it was it was so fire awesome. man um, and then one thing I will say too is there's also like a companion movie on YouTube. It's like 23 minutes oh, I long. Gotta watch that. Dude, it's so dope. So dope. <laughs> I'll definitely check, check that out. out. Um, I, a, a last thing, I don't know if you mentioned this, but it's only like 18 minutes. And I'm really starting to think that just might be the new way for projects. Like, just keep them under 25. I think that just really might be the, the way to go. How do you feel about that? It reminds me, and of course, you're going to say, like, of course it reminds me of this. It reminds me of D Daytona in the way that it's just, like, really tight and just, yeah. like, really cohesive. Like, right. it all just sounds like a complete package. 100%. All right there. Yeah. All right. And for my album pick, I'm going to go with Griselda's uh, WWCD. It came out uh, in late 2019. I'm not going to lie to you. I was not really hip to Griselda like that until really, like, the past month. You know, the name, I knew they were signed to Shady Records, and, and that went with Eminem, the Eminem label. I wasn't sure what to really expect, so right. I, I kind of stayed away. But these guys, <laughs> I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Um, the best way to describe them is they are they are all Coke first team. Like, it's <laughs> it's those, it's, there's three members. You got, uh, you got Benny the Butcher, you got West Side Gun, and you have... And Conway the Machine, and I say they're they're in that the, the starting lineup with Pusha T and Freddie Gibbs in terms of just bar after bar about cocaine that is just <laughs> it's fire, man. Like I, I don't promote I don't promote drugs, obviously, but I would definitely promote listening to this in terms of just their their mechanics mm. are just so so. Um, so I don't want to say next level because it's got like a throwback vibe to it. But yeah. They're just so pristine and, and just so precise with it, with the way in which they move. Surgical. And I, and I love how each um, artist in Griselda brings something different to the table in terms of 
uh, West Side Gun. He com- he comes in with this almost like juvenile uh, voice, and especially in his ad libs, that is just so fun. Even it makes you know trapping sound fun essentially. Uh, but then you get someone like Conway the Machine, who's just coming in with these just the the mechanics are are, are rap assassin like in terms mm. of the the rhyme the internal rhymes are just every every time you got lines rhyming or words rhyming within um I'm trying to get my words out on this uh multiple words rhyming within the same line essentially that it just always it, it sounds the mechanics are just a one that's I, I'm, <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it yeah. uh, then Benny the Butcher comes in just hard just aggressive with this, this booming voice. Overall, just give it a listen. All the beats got this this New York vibe to them. Um, very, very eerie boom bap type mm, beats. That it's is just cold, yeah, man. It's perfect, so cold. Perfect for you know the headphones. Perfect for a yes. car ride. Definitely check it out. Um, what's your song pick, Trevor? So my song pick for the week. I'm gonna give us a little throwback here to our last episode when we were talking about Baby Keem. Busser Up is my song of the week, okay. bro. Oh my god. When I tell you like I think of infect infectivity, this beat and Baby Keem's flow on this man, it's just so addictive. Yeah. It's so oh like you just gotta make a mean mug when you're listening yeah. to this song. This song this song came on at a pregame this weekend and I was just I was done for the <laughs> night. I was set. That's yeah. all I needed to hear. Um, for my song pick, I'm I'm kind of just basing this on my weekend. Uh, I went to a concert, so I'm gonna go with Mick Jenkins, uh, Percy featuring uh, Quarry, uh, both Chicago uh, based artists. Um, the reason I picked this this track is because I went to a Mick Jenkins concert this weekend, and he didn't perform this song, and I was very salty. Uh, the song is it's vibe music to the max, just kind of laid back. Take a shower, take a bath to it, <laughs> roll something up to it, and just just enjoy it. Um, that's gonna be my pick of the week, and we'll move on to I guess our, our main discussion. Um, it might turn into a Kerm is ranting again discussion. We'll <laughs> see. Um, so yeah, as I said, as I was saying this weekend, I went to a concert. Uh, it was Mick Jenkins and Earth Gang, um, opened by uh, Jordan Bryant, a, a fellow member of Spillage Village, which Earth Gang is also. Um, a part of that that music collective and overall it was a dope experience mm. uh probably one of my favorite concerts ever in terms of performances in terms of where i was location wise um i i got to meet earth gang before i should also say that shook their hand which was just a, a awesome experience i was i'll admit i was starstruck like uh, many people i think are when they meet some of their favorite artists so yeah. it, was, it was a crazy moment um but when we get to the show overall the the production value amazing Artist amazing. Mick Jenkins really might have been one of the best uh, performers I've ever seen live in terms of he doesn't miss a bar at all. Um, and Earth Gang was a literal party. Um, but I think one thing that made it, it difficult for me to enjoy two of my favorite artists was, uh, I guess, the crowd. Mm. Um, and I guess that's kind of what I want to talk about today with you, Trevor, in terms of um, I labeled our, our main discussion the the gentrification of black concerts. Um, wow. I, I hope it doesn't come off as like super dark, um, but I just want to kind of get into things. I, I feel like um, so while I was you know enjoying the show, I was I was having a, a tough time you know dealing with the crowd in terms of I feel like there's like this sense of entitlement that that went over the crowd in terms of like this is my moment I need to see this artist like mm. everyone else isn't trying to do the same thing in terms of we're gonna 
push, 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 push until we get to the, to the front of, of the stage, even if we came late, which is, is, is a little bit annoying. Maybe I'm just complaining, whatever. Um, and then another thing I struggle with is just, you know, trying to enjoy, you know, some of my favorite artists and being uncomfortable in the mm. fact that I'm just hearing random, random non-black people who has just chanting the N-word. And I get it. Yes, the N-word is in the song. But I thought we were just at a point where it's kind of just understood that right. it's like, how hard is it to, to I guess, um, to censor yourself and, and take out a word in, in a bar? I don't think it's that hard, but apparently it is. Um, and I just felt like at, at many times there's also a lack of respect for the artist in terms mm. of like trying to, to yell, play this, play this, instead of just you know enjoying the experience. And, and I, I get that that comes with alcohol and getting drunk for a concert, but it was just, it kind of ruined my experience. Um, and all of this, when I was leaving, it kind of got me thinking back to... Um, what a rapper, uh, rapper No Name was talking about back in November. She went on like a Twitter rant. Um, so for those who don't know who No Name is, she's a Chicago rapper, poet, artist, whatever you want to label her. Very talented. She held the title of 2018's highest ranked album on Metacritic with her sophomore project Room 25, um, which is also she she was the first woman to hold hold that uh, title. Um, and in Room 25 in that album, it kind of talks about, you know, police brutality um, as well as the exploita exploitation of black culture. Um, so pretty much just music for the African-American experience. And she went on this rant on Twitter to kind of talk about how she was uncomfortable at her own shows in terms of the fact that it's a predominantly white audience um, chanting the N-word at her. Um, so I'll, I'll go over some of her quotes and we'll kind of try and make a conversation out of this, Trevor. Mm -hmm. um, so one tweet that uh, No Name put out back in November is, to be honest with you, my heart isn't fully in it anymore. The relationship between artist and fan is really f***ing unhealthy. Y'all like what y'all... Y'all uh, like what y'all like and hate what y'all hate, and I don't want to be on either side. I'm just trying to read and organize. After... Uh, after her last two shows, she was out, pretty much. That's what she tweeted. Um, another tweet was, When I go to work, thousands of white people scream the N-word at me. And no, I'm not changing my art, so it is what it is. Mm. Um, another one was, I'm not going to keep performing pr for predominantly white crowds. I have two shows on the books. Then after that, I'm chilling on making music. Um, so with this, I remember there was a lot of attacking of No Name in her comment section. Um, but... With all this, Trevor, do you think, and, and we'll preface the fact that I, if you couldn't, if you can't tell, if this is the first time listening, I am black, Trevor's white. <laughs> um, just get that out there. Um, but Trevor, wh how, what are your thoughts on all of this? I feel like as a, a white hip-hop fan that goes to, to shows, right. do you see, I'll just let you kind of get started and then we'll continue. Yeah, so, I mean, in my, in my concert experience, um, I think you make a great point about that like sense of entitlement. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think a lot of people, um, like want these shows, like they have certain expectations about that, what the, these shows and what they want to see in these shows. And you know, that starts with like them chanting out songs that they want to hear. Like they just want the full experience to be customizable. And I understand that. Cause like concerts for, for a lot of people can be like once in a lifetime events. Mm -hmm. Like I remember seeing uh, Travis Scott at Boston calling and, like, you were talking about the pushing and stuff, but, like, I think I expected that simply because Travis Scott is a much different artist yeah. than both Earth Gang and Mick Jenkins are, where, like, there's no doubt both of those, uh, both artists have those songs, you know, that get the crowd riled up, that get everybody moving a little bit, but, like, 
Travis Scott, man, I was buckled in. And I was like, look, there's going to be a mosh, and I'm ready for it. Yeah. But the difference being, I remember, and to your point, too, I remember how often I heard the N-word tossed around. And I got to say, like, I agree with you. Like, there's just, I feel like there is just no place to be saying that. And, you know, if you're an artist like No Name where you're up on stage and you're seeing these people say the word back to you, that can be that's got to be yeah. incredibly frustrating and, and, and uncomfortable. And for me with No Name, I I don't understand, like, the fans that are going <laughs> to No Name shows. If, right. if you're if you're chanting the N word in terms of like her, her music is all about black empowerment. Like, that's pretty yeah. much like laced into it feels like almost every song in, in one way or another. So it's almost like if you are a, a fan, no matter what your your, your race is. Um, no matter what your nationality is, if you if you enjoy her music, I would assume you would at least like look into the lyrics a right. little bit and have an understanding behind it. And I think you would be sensitive enough to know like this is not my place to use this word. Mm-hmm. It's kind of confusing. It's just, I mean, there's no reason to say. It. There's no reason to say it. It's like, yeah. but oh yeah, but it's in the song. I don't care. Yeah. Well, like, what other songs have or what other words have you heard in songs that you're like, oh. They shouldn't be able to say that. Like, remember when Quavo said um, in Get Right With You? I'm not going to repeat it, but he said going to Chilean with some insert yeah. racial slur. Yeah. People were upset about that. Right. You know? People wouldn't say that word, but still, a lot of people don't have problem tossing the N-word around. But I will say, back to the question, does No Name have a point? Yeah, she has a point. Mm-hmm. And I, I totally understand her frustration. Where, like, you're making art. You feel like you're making art. For certain people and when the turnout and when the people that's appreciating your art you feel like that's not represented in your show because i mean let's be honest like a lot of these artists make a the majority of their money from touring yep like i can understand how that can be incredibly frustrating and you know i also get the side of like well you can't stop anybody from you know liking your music but i don't think she has a problem with that you know if, yeah you know because there's a lot of people too like you said where she was getting uh uh, heat for it where she was like people were like oh well like I'm not gonna listen anymore okay she would probably prefer that yeah I think <laughs> one thing I, I've really liked about what No Name has, has done since it seems like it's less about like constantly pushing oh I'm not making music yeah. I'm not doing this she's moving on to she has her book club that she's really been Love that. pushing a lot yes. which has really got me back inspired to reading beyond what's forced upon me in, in a college institution and reading what I like to read again. So I, I'm thankful for that. But So I like the way she's approaching it. Um, I guess my question overall is it's like, is there really ever going to be a solution to something like this? Because it's like, yeah. I, I think the more popular an artist gets, the more expensive their tickets become. And based on the average income in a, a black household versus a white household in America, yes. obviously you're going to have more money right. to to throw at things like a concert if you if you... Are, if that's what you enjoy in your free time, um, that's what you're going to expend like extra money for. So how? So there's nothing to. Re- I guess I feel like the more popular you get as an artist, the less of a of a black audience you're going to get based mm-hmm. on I guess just the raw numbers that I just put out there. So it's like I I really don't know if there's a solution, but yeah, I mean I guess I don't think there is a solution, but I think she's what she has done is like given herself the power to mm-hmm. like dictate like what she wants her concerts to be like. And, you know, it's, I mean, this may, this may sound weird, but like, I think if she, if that's her goal, like she's doing the right thing by being very upfront 
and very honest about how she feels about yeah. these concert crowds. Um, and, you know, maybe like, you know, you can either be one of two people. You can be the person that gets upset at that or you can be the person that understands and lets there be room for other opportunities for people to attend her shows. Yeah, 100%. You know? I agree on that. And so I think, I mean, that's the road I'm going to take where I'm like, I love No Name. Would I go see a No Name show? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But would I want to go to a No Name show if I know that it's going to make her uncomfortable? Probably not. Yeah, it's tough. It's definitely a tough situation. Yeah. Because it's... In, in many ways, I guess you could you could say she's pushing away people that do enjoy her music. But, yeah, I, this is a, a double-edged sword. Where yeah, it's, it's like tough. A, a, there's no real correct answer to it. Mm-hmm. I think no one is going to end up, like, not everyone is going to end up happy regardless of the solution here. Um, one thing I will say that I hope for an artist like Earth Gang, as well as McJenkins, I hope they just get to the point in, of... Of sales, well, they're at like big arenas, like the, yeah. the garden. So then I at least have a seat because when <laughs> I was I was at the Royale, which it, it's a it's a dope venue because it's got like probably it fits like a thousand people, so it's great for like mosh pitting. But at a certain point, with certain artists like Earth Gang and especially McJenkins, where it's like vibe music, right? It doesn't work as well when I'm packed in like sardines mm. and McJenkins. It was annoying because I felt like no one came there for McJenkins, or at least the like, pocket that I was in, yeah. they didn't come for McJenkins. So right. I'm like trying to go wild, hit every bar, but I can't even move because everyone's just standing still. With everyone's you know, trying to get their, their spot hands for Earth their back. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Um, but so our, this this segment has, has just turned into pretty much a rant. <laughs> Let's move on to basketball, and <laughs> in two weeks we will have. Hey man, okay. we don't we don't apologize on this show. <laughs> that all right we'll you, have better prep in two weeks you still you still click play Facts. you you still click play and you know what if there is anybody out there who was upset about this i hope we changed your mind and i hope we got <laughs> to see you a different perspective everybody get up move on over to basketball so ankle breaks it's been a while been a while since we did did a little league update but really the only news that we have is of course about the trade deadline we'll go over some of the biggest winners and losers of the trade deadline as well as the nba standings and we'll hit you with the nba all-star rosters because those that those got decided in the last two weeks so of course it was lebron and Giannis drafting the teams again so for team lebron for the starters we got lebron james Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, James Harden. That's a tough lineup right off the bat. Uh, And then for the reserves, we got Damian Lillard, Ben Simmons, Nikola Jokic, Jason Tatum, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, and DeMontis Sabonis. (laughs) Team Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, Kemba Walker, and Trey Young. I'm going to say right off the bat, that that LeBron lineup looks a whole lot more dangerous than that Giannis lineup. But I don't know who got first pick. Uh, but as for the reserves, we got Chris Middleton, Bam Adebayo, Rudy Gobert, Kyle Lowry, Brandon Ingram, and Donovan Mitchell. I'll be really excited to see uh, Tatum and Walker go at each other. Um, oh, that should be Yeah, that'll, that'll be fun to watch. Uh, but those are the rosters. Um, moving on to our winners and losers in the NBA standings. The Raptors are on a tear. Mm-hmm. Second place in the East with 14 straight wins. Unreal. Unreal. And I got to say, I feel like a fool for kind of doubting that this team wouldn't be elite with the pieces that they already had. Um, but, I mean, 
part of it's because Kyle Lowry has really stepped up. I mean, he's an all-star this year, and Pascal Siakam is a beast. Like, oh, yeah. That guy, that guy really, like, last year he made the leap, but he's staying consistent this year, and he has just been the man uh, for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, and then the Pacers, um, I think there was another team in the East with the worst losing streak, but I wanted to highlight, I think, the most notable losing streaks here. The Pacers have slipped down to sixth place with five straight losses, and in the West, nothing really crazy. Uh, the Nuggets uh, are in second on a strong three-game win streak, and then the Spurs keep dipping. They're in 10th place right now with four straight losses. We would have had the Timberwolves in that spot, but they won. They beat the yeah. Clippers Interesting. by, like, 28. Interesting. It was crazy, and a lot of their new pieces came out to play, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get to right now when we talk about the NBA trade deadline. So how, how this is going to work is we're not going to go over every NBA trade deadline deal that happened, but we will go over the notable ones, and we'll talk about some winners and losers here. So the first one we're going to talk about is the most recent one. The Miami Heat are sending Justice Winslow, Dion Waiters, and James Johnson to Memphis for Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill. Kerm, who's yeah. the winner? Who's the loser? Uh, it can be the team. It can be a player. Whoever. This is tough. I'm yeah. gonna say. I'm gonna say the Heat are gonna end up being losers in this deal. Mm, in interesting. I just think Andre Iguodala has been just a little bit overhyped in the past yeah. however long it's been where the, the Grizzlies he was in Grizzlies exile right according to him I just think he's <laughs> he's 36 years old yeah um he hasn't been like in the on the Warriors the past few years if we're being honest he hasn't been healthy completely I think every year in the playoffs it's something with him in terms of like oh he's playing through right. back injury which is great because it shows he's durable to play through injuries but he hasn't always been like anything more than the fourth best player on the floor for them. Yeah. And all in the really since that first year when he won finals MVP every every year since he was essentially the fourth best player on the floor. Right. And I get it for Miami a, a team that's in win now mode you're going to go all in on that but I don't know if him and Jay Crowder is, is still enough to make them go over the top. Yeah. So in the fact that you gave up Justice Winslow who <laughs> we don't we, I still don't I don't know I what like just, still... what Winslow's going to be as an end product. I think yeah. he's still got He's still got a ceiling, high ceiling uh, for I sure. I think he's still got room to grow and I also think in Miami, it probably wasn't the most ideal fit for him once, you know, you added Jimmy Butler right. and, and you got these phenomenal rookies uh, at the guard positions. Now it's like, where does he fit in? Mm. So I think this was going was gonna to be a struggle year for him anyway. So now yeah. he's in a, a better location. So I, I'd say Miami lost his trade in the fact that you're giving up young talent right. for old talent that's going to be out of the league in uh, two years. Essentially, right. so I don't know. That's just my opinion on it. Yeah, I think I think you made a great point too, because I think knee jerk reaction looking at this trade, I was like, oh, this is a great great deal for the Heat. Mm-hmm. I think if the Heat got Gallinari, I would have been mm-hmm. more interested. But that fell through right. with the Thunder. Yeah, that would have been that would have been huge for the Heat if they got Gallinari. But yeah, last so Iguodala actually played in his first Heat game last night against the Blazers. Played twenty three minutes, scored two points. <laughs> It got six rebounds and three assists. Jay Crowder also played. He had 18 points and 11 rebounds. So a pretty good showing from Jay Crowder. Eh, not so much from Iguodala. So, I mean, it's just one game. But I don't think it's any cause for concern yet. But I think you make some good points about the age of the Heat team where, or the age of the players in this trade at least, where Memphis is obviously, they're just 
accruing all of these future pieces, yeah. all these pieces that they can develop. And they already have a great young team. They're an eighth in the West right now. Yep, they could be really yeah. something one of the, at the top of the West, give it three years, two years, who knows? Yeah, John Moran is going nuclear. He had his first triple-double. Triple double, yep. yep. Uh, so, you know what? I initially was on the side that the Heat won this trade, but I'm, I might have to agree with you, Kerm. I feel like the age here uh, might end up playing into the Grizzlies' hand in the long run where they, they have a lot of younger pieces, and the Heat are obviously in win-now mode, but it's, like you said, it's the question of are those actually the pieces that you need yeah, I just, to get there. Is this Did this move make them uh, strong enough to beat uh, the Bucks? I don't right, think so. Right, no. Did it make yeah, them I don't think so either. a definitive favorite against the Celtics, a definitive favorite against the Raptors? I'm not sure. I would say right now it's already, it, the fact that they have home court would be an advantage, but in terms of still, if you look at the talent and you go – one through four of the Celtics, one through four of the Heat. Right. I, I don't know if the, if Miami has an advantage even with adding these two role players. Um, mm. So I'm I'm definitely interested um, to see how Miami plays out. But for now, I'm going to say it's it's a it's a loss overall in this trade. Yeah, I think I I think I'm going to end up agreeing with you on that one. So yeah. all right, yeah, that was the first one, and now this is whew, this one's a doozy. <laughs> Big four team trade here. Uh, all right, so bear with me here, and Kerm, if you need any clarifications. Don't hesitate because I got the dock up in front of me. But All right. So in this trade, the Houston Rockets are acquiring Robert Covington and Jordan Bell from the Timberwolves and the Atlanta Hawks 2024. They already got rid of Jordan Bell. I they already got rid of Jordan Bell? All right. Yep. Didn't, did they waive him? Uh, he's on the Grizzlies. Grizzlies? Been, okay. I think it was a trade. All right. Uh, and then they also got the Hawks 2024 second-round pick. The Atlanta Hawks get Clint Capella and Nene. From the Houston Rockets, and then Atlanta, of course, waved Nene the day after. Uh, the Nuggets acquired Kata Bates, Diop, Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley, and the Rockets Gerald Green, who was later waived, which is really too bad because I love Gerald Green. Mm. <laughs> uh, and they also got Houston's first round pick in 2020. The Timberwolves got the Nuggets Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and Jared Vanderbilt as well as the Hawks' Evan Turner and the Hawks' 2020 first-round pick from the Brooklyn Nets. Wow. So, a lot to unpack here. The main, the main players in this yeah, are the Rockets, <laughs> the Timberwolves, and the Hawks, and the Nuggets. So, I think I'll start here. I think immediately the winner to me is, I feel like the Timberwolves got a big win out of this trade here okay explain they acquired a lot of pieces Juancho Hernan Gomez is good he's a solid big man came okay. off the bench for the Nuggets nothing crazy but he's going to be some nice bench support for the Timberwolves and I think that's something that the Timberwolves have out of all the million things they've been missing they've been sorely missing is mm -hmm. depth because I mean you look on paper like in the past that they've had they've had Jeff Teague Andrew Wiggins Carl Anthony Towns Taj Gibson remember that team that team was supposed yeah. to be solid yeah, you're and they right. were trash. You're right. And so I think I think bench players are huge for them. And Malik Beasley, this is obviously way too early to make this conclusion. He had a huge debut game for the Timberwolves. He had 23 points, and they they smacked the Clippers. All right, smacked the Clippers for their first win. So we'll see if he ends up being you know that player in the long run. But I think really the Timberwolves acquired a lot of bench pieces here that they're gonna that they really haven't had before and they're, they're going to need the support if they want to really turn this season around because they're sitting in second to last place in the west 
and they really shouldn't be. And we'll get into another reason why the Wolves will probably succeed after this trade deadline. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think initially the Wolves, I think they made a lot of great moves. The Hawks, too. I like how they got Capella. But I'm interested to see how that's going to work with John Collins. Yeah. Um, I just don't know if there's a clear winner in this trade. And the mm. fact that I don't think anybody got really like a piece that just set them over right. the top. I would say if I had to pick, I would pick the, the Hawks just because I think they got the biggest name in the deal with Capella. But I still don't. Um, I, I don't know if, if Capella is really going to be like their final piece and whatever yeah. their their final evolution stages with the the Trey Young uh, John Collins combo as your franchise. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to be there for that. Um, but I just don't think anyone won. I think the the Rockets yeah. going all in on small ball. Is, yeah, that's it's interesting. That's going to be really it's, interesting. It's interesting. They beat the Lakers, whatever. And then they got blown out. Yeah, um, it's like D'Antoni's wet dream. <laughs> so I'm. I'm kind of just out on this trade yeah. overall in general. Nothing nothing really stands out that's got me thinking, oh, wow, they really fleeced a team. Yeah. No one, I don't think anybody fleeced anybody, and I don't think anybody really got significantly better. Right. I think the Rockets got very different. Um, the, you know, As did the Timberwolves. I mean, they're, they've completely nuked their core at this point. Yeah. Like, true. Very true. So I, also, I feel like I have a soft spot in my heart for the Timberwolves because I really want them to be good. And they're just never good. <laughs> but so that was that absolute mouthful of a trade. But here's one of the big ones, probably the biggest one of the trade deadline. Minnesota Timberwolves, again, involved, made a major change to their core by acquiring D'Angelo Russell from the Golden State Warriors for former number one overall pick Andrew Wiggins. The Wolves are also sending a 2021 protected first round pick and a 2021 second round pick to Golden State while the Warriors are sending Jacob Evans and Amari Spellman to Minnesota. Uh, And this is per our boy Woj. Uh, The 2021 pick is protected uh, to number three and becomes unprotected in 2022. So, who won this trade? Oh, I'm I'm just going to go Warriors easily. Warriors, interesting. Um, Okay. I say, at this point, you know, I don't think D'Angelo Russell was going to be able to play and stuff. So now you just got at worst, at worst you got Harrison Barnes back, <laughs> Harrison Barnes and some draft picks with it. I think, I think Andrew Wiggins like he does not have to be Kevin Durant for, yeah, for the Warriors to be good. I true. think he can be somewhere between Harrison Barnes. If he can be somewhere between Harrison Barnes and Kevin Durant, the Warriors are good to go. Yeah. I think, and this is the perfect organization to play with the project like Andrew Wiggins in terms of the fact it's like. What is Wiggins' ceiling now that he's at a winning franchise? Yeah. He's going to try and probably beat his bad tendencies out of him in terms of, you know, not always being present in the games in terms of focus, not always taking right. the best shots, settling for mid-range jumpers early. Can they really break all of those bad habits that um, have plagued Andrew Wiggins' career? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but I, you when you get picks with it, I think it's worth it. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. D'Angelo Russell, I guess you could say, is is a better player than Wiggins right now, but is he really like that much uh, ahead in terms of being like a championship piece? I mm. don't think so. I think they're both kind of at a similar state in their career where I don't think they really are going to affect the championship run significantly more than the other. So I, I'm okay with it yeah. in terms of you got a person that's going to fit better with your your stars. Right. And I got to say, I would have loved to see the Steph, Clay, and D'Lo experiment in its full. Uh, but I can't I can't really fault the Warriors for not wanting to, to hop on that. Like, I don't really fault them for wanting to jump ship here. 
and just stick with stick with Steph, stick with Clay, because I mean that spacing would have gotten awkward for sure. And then D'Lo probably would have had significantly less uh, playing time and touch time too. Uh, so I can't really fault them for like giving up on him, um, as I think they're they actually said a Warriors executive <laughs> said they basically gave up on D'Lo. Um, I just hope for Andrew Wiggins because I've been hating on Andrew Wiggins his whole career. I hope this is like the culture change that he gets to like really shine mm -hmm. to like really be the player that we all know he is. And you know what? Maybe he's not that guy. Like maybe he doesn't want to be that guy and that's okay. But I guess it's just frustrating as an NBA fan to consistently watch a guy who, you know, is like one of the most talented players on the floor, but just refuses to put it all out there. So I hope, I think this will be the culture change that he needs. I don't know if he'll actually capitalize on it, but yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think the Warriors definitely got the most out of this trade, uh, especially with the picks involved. Uh, but I will say I'm excited to see D'Lo and Cat together in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. um, I think that'll be a really interesting duo. And I think the Timberwolves, with all this shakeup, they could end up making a run towards like the eight seed. But I don't know, man. They're already so deep. It, They're already so deep in like 14th place. I definitely don't believe it. Yeah. I, I think at best, even with the fresh season, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns is between 44 and 48 yeah. games, which maybe that's an eighth seed, but it's it's not really In the like, West, it's tough, it's man. It's not really yeah. a team that excites me in terms of what their ceiling is going to be. Yeah. Um, who knows? Maybe they'll get another franchise player and, and make try and make it interesting, but I right. still don't think that's enough to, to interest me at least. Yeah, I'm with that. Uh, but moving on, the last trade we got on here, you know, I got to say I feel a little bad for this guy. I feel a little bad for this guy, Andre Drummond. Uh, it's tough. The uh, Cleveland Cavaliers are bringing in Drummond from Detroit. Uh, he is being traded for guard Brandon Knight, who the Pistons cashed in all their chips on uh, some couple years ago. Center John Henson and a 2023 second round pick. This season, Drummond is leading the NBA in rebounding, of course, uh, with 15.8 rebounds per game, which is ridiculous, while also averaging 17.8 points per game, 2.0 steals, and 1.7 blocks for the Pistons. He has played up until this point his entire eight-year NBA career with the Detroit Pistons and is the number two rebounder in team history. Krum, who won this trade? <laughs> Bro, nobody won this trade. I'll tell trade. you who didn't win. Andre Drummond did <laughs> not win this trade. Not Andre, <laughs> Andre Drummond did not win this trade. <laughs> I don't think anybody won this trade, and Andre Drummond certainly lost this trade. Just from Detroit to Cleveland, like, it, you really you you think it couldn't get worse, and then it just does. Poor Drummond. Um, oh. Overall, terrible trade. Overall, terrible trade deadline in my opinion. Just nothing. No, none of these trades really excited me. None of them. I mean, the D'Lo one was exciting, but I don't know, man. I I, I was I was hoping something crazier was gonna happen. Yeah, like, I I thought they I don't would even know. package D'Lo with that pick and try and get somebody better. Also, than I feel like everyone, and I know you can speak on this. I feel like everyone was waiting for Darren Collison to jump back in the NBA. Let's too. not talk about it. Let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about it. I was just on Twitter last night, you know, in my Lakers Twitter zone, checking out. Oh, what are the other opportunities now that Darren Collison is gone? And I I see people trying to convince themselves that Dion Waiters. Is, mm. is a great pickup off waivers or Tyler Johnson. Um, I'm going to say this. They were waived for a reason. <laughs> um, so I don't know what to do because you can't play Rondo's corpse in the playoffs. No. You can't. So Yeah, man. It's like, sh I shouldn't even say it's shocking, but it's just like, it's so, cl like, 
just wild how much how much of a problem Rondo can be when he's on the floor, dude. He's yeah, he should uh, just be an assistant coach. Yeah, at this point, yeah, man. Right off into the sunset, get himself a yeah. ring. Get himself a ring as an assistant coach. That's and, fine. There's no and shame help us in that. Find a, a backup point yeah. guard that he could teach how to play. Bro, you guard. already won as a player. Yep. it's okay. It's tough. It's okay. It's tough. <laughs> I think that's gonna wrap up our yeah. episode. <laughs> episode eight oh eight. Mailed in edition. The U.S. We'll Postal back. Service yeah. edition. Brought to you. We'll be back. Brought to you by ever. UPS. Thank you. <laughs> Peace.